All right, guys, welcome back to the Run Free Podcast. This is episode number 58, and this one is part two of my conversation with my little brother, Chad. And this was a really fun discussion where we just kind of get into body image issues for runners. Then we also talked alcohol and how it may or may not fit into an athlete's goals to wreak peach performance. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thanks for tuning in. All right, so kind of shifting gears. We said we were going to double back on the whole body weight image. Is that body weight image? Did I say that right? Body image? Body image weight. <laughs> I think it's one or the other. Body image or weight. No, not weight image. Jasmine, hello. Uh, you know what, Mom? Why are you out of breath? Uh, because I was running up the stairs and back down. Why are you running up the stairs and back down? Time to tell Mom something. Mom's not here. Oh. Oh, and I do have a question. Could I sign up for something? Sure. What is it? <laughs> well, something. Know, just make. I just wanted to make sure with her again, too. Uh, it's with the, for the acting thing. The audition thing. You know that you're on my podcast right now? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. You want, what do you want to say to the people? To the Run Free family members that you have? Uh, wait. To go back, say a word that describes me. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Chad? Yeah. Besides his name. That's already oh man, the accent <laughs> slipped. No one knows the nickname. <laughs> yep, no, Don't say it. Uh, um, let's see. A good mountain biker. Oh, thanks. That's that more is. than one word, but it's okay. I was, too, <laughs> I was cheating too, so I won't hold you to it. All right, so anyways, acting. Maybe we can talk about it after I finish this podcast. Sorry, I can't No worries. Family welcome. All right, anyways. What are we doing? Oh, yeah, body weight image. Body image. <laughs> Body image weight. <laughs> Anyways, talking about runners and body image. We I've talked about this a lot on this podcast before. S- but I think it's always interesting to hear someone's own story with it. So what's your story with body really? image, calories, weight, your unique perspective on nutrition and how runners can find their sweet spot with finding the ideal race weight for them, etc. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly there's a lot there. Um, I think it's, I feel like it's it's a very interesting sort of touchy topic for endurance athletes because I think it drives a lot more of what we do than people really are willing to say right like maybe some of the excessive working out cross training on a slide board um where it is almost like this this thing of like i need to burn calories right like always being weight conscious of you eat too much you now need to excessively exercise to burn those calories even though that might not be like really what's preferable for your training plan, right? It's not always preferable to just like mm-hmm. go burn a bunch of calories, work out super hard. Deplete like, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'd say, you know, I think it's runner, it's, it's pretty tough because it is a part of performance, right? But I think for me, and I think it's somewhat of a personality thing too, like recognizing your relationship with food and how that plays into it and like what maybe is the best way for you because I think some people can be more numbers oriented, right? They can measure their food, they can be very specific about what they're taking in. And I don't think that's necessarily 
flawed. I don't think that's a bad way of going about it, so long as that's like a healthy relationship with food for you. But I think for a lot of people, that's not healthy, right? And so for me, I think I've been through periods of like measuring food, trying to take in certain amounts. Obviously, that's always like in a restrictive manner where I'm always constantly trying to lose weight. Some of us measure our food to try to gain weight. I know you do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so and that's what I look at is like, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? To say I'm trying to hit these numbers. This Uh is what my body needs. And you're doing it from like a very specific standpoint of like you just you can work the numbers right and i think especially like bulking cutting like i think you demonstrated like that does work um but i think there's a lot it's it is very complex and i think in terms of like recovery performance um and i think especially like when i went to cycling too it's like you are burning just such an outrageous amount of calories that i think like it's okay to now fuel that way right mm-hmm. and like that may look like a lot of food i think especially to like outsiders looking at them like wow you are like eating yeah. a lot of food right. and i remember that could... i'd get self-conscious about that when i was running totally Just, like eating a ton of food and like people being like whoa and people even saying like you're really gonna have to rein it in after you retire or else you're super <laughs> fat <laughs> yeah you know? but it's like your body needs that right. and i think for me it's been a progression towards like really being in touch with my body and the signals that it's telling me right so you can call it like intuitive eating or whatever um but i like that in the sense that like now i feel a little bit more freedom to eat a lot when i'm burning a lot and i my body's telling me i need that um and that's always i think a constant progression like i think on my end being a climber it's like there's still points where i'm like i would like to shed some extra mm-hmm. weight but I'm very happy with like my relationship with food nowadays mm-hmm. where I feel like I've been on that roller coaster ride of like overeating and then undereating. And it's like, there's always almost like, it's like almost like a punishment thing, right? Like you, you binge on something mm-hmm. and then so you, you super restrictive. Right. Or go do some six hour ride the yeah. next day or to pay the price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, so you're on this like roller coaster of, maybe eating way too much when you don't really need it, way under eating when you do need it. And now your energy is just like in that roller coaster Mm -hmm. too and your emotions and everything. It's like, man, that's not, it's not a fun place to be. Like, I definitely feel passionate about getting people out of that Mm because like I've been there and it's not enjoyable. Yeah, not a fun train to be on. No, it's not. And it's not good for your training either. Right. And honestly, like when I look at pictures of me like, I wanted to post something on Instagram at some point, maybe expanding on this a little bit. Careful, train dog. They'll come for you. They'll come. Oh, yeah. They maybe will. <laughs> but I think it's a good message. Like, I was going to post a picture of oh, me. I just gave away your name. Oh, you did. It finally <laughs> slipped. Oh, I almost we'll, went this whole time. We'll have to. We'll Edit have to that out. Yeah. Don't No going <laughs> back and listening. If, if that just went right past yeah. you, no going back. Yeah. Right. Anyway, sorry. So I wanted to. I kind of wanted to post a picture, like chat on a diet, chat not on a diet, right? And you would think it was a like, complete opposite mm-hmm. because like I was obviously like carrying extra weight, like you can see it in my face mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's interesting. And I think a lot of it was just, yeah, it was like eating way too much when I didn't need it. So it's like going towards fat and then I'm like underperforming when I'm really trying to train, right. like being restrictive. Have you had this, I've always felt this way, like 
when I'm eating more, I burn more in my workouts because I'm able to operate at a higher intensity. Yeah. And so then I actually, I'm eating more, I'm burning more, and so I'm not putting on weight and my performances are going up. Yeah. Have you had that similar experience? Yeah, I think that that's like naturally kind of what occurs when I'm more so not focusing. Like for me, I think not focusing on numbers is a positive thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so now I'm listening to my body and giving it what it needs. And likewise, yeah. And it's like I, I think that I, again, back to the suffering thing, I have the ability to push really hard if I'm fueled well. Mm -hmm. I do not if I'm not fueled well, Mm -hmm. right? So I can, I can train really well if I'm giving my body adequate fuel. And I think the one thing that when people go to cycling is like realizing how much you need to actually eat on the bike. And I think there's a learning curve with that. Right. And then people, like some of the best advice I've heard about cycling and nutrition is like, don't diet on the bike, hmm. like fuel it. Mm-hmm. And I think you can apply that to running as well. Obviously, like there's not as much of a need to because you have glycogen stores to get most through everything mm-hmm. that you're going to do running unless you're like a marathoner. And then in which case you need to do that just to practice for race time. Um, but yeah, definitely like when I'm so like on the bike, I feel like especially I could get through like long rides and stuff without almost eating anything, but definitely like ride after ride, if you're doing that, it's going to negatively impact right. your training for sure. Right. So, and then like it was, so the camps that we do, um, I'm always trying to get certain athletes to eat more food on the bike because mm-hmm. they're trying to lose weight and then they're not eating. And I'm like literally trying to almost like force feed them. I'll unwrap food and hand it to them. <laughs> it was pre-COVID I would do this. But yeah, I would unwrap bars and be like, eat this right now. It's already unwrapped. Do yeah. not let this food I, go If to you waste. want to, just open your mouth and I'll just throw it in there. Um, but yeah, because it's that, it's that same deal. It's like, and you can measure it really easily on the bike uh-huh. with a power meter, right? Like we can look at your kilojoule yeah, expenditure. See it change. If you're not eating and you bonk and now you're soft pedaling back home rather than producing maybe two or three times as much power, it's like your whole goal of creating a deficit, you're actually not even creating as much of a deficit now. Right. right. You're like, you're not, you're not capitalizing on the activity that we're doing. You're literally not putting as much energy onto the pedals because you don't have the energy to put onto the pedals. Yeah, totally. So I, I think the same exact thing could happen with running. Whereas like in running, and cycling too, maybe you're like missing entire workouts because you're like chronically under fuel mm-hmm. for a period of time. So it's like anything, I feel like it's with running and endurance stuff, it's like most time like the best thing you can do is the not fast or glamorous way, right? Like you probably don't wanna lose like five pounds in like a week or two. Like you wanna do that progressively over time. And those progressive healthy changes are always gonna be preferable. For me, that's been like a maturity thing to like, not always be thinking about okay i have a race in two months yeah i need to lose a bunch of weight before yeah. then yeah and being so short-sighted being a little bit more long-term oriented and being like i think for me a lot of it is just like my mental health is more important honestly than my my performance on the bike or running totally like yeah love it so intuitive eating i love i love that concept and that idea it gets a little bit hazy for me and kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit here. But you're like, well, intuitively, I'm craving a Big Mac from McDonald's right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. like, talk to us a little bit about, like, intuition with eating and when you follow your intuition and maybe there's times when you don't follow your intuition. Yeah. 
I think that that's a little bit, especially considering like my background with endurance sports. Um, I think it's a little, I'm, I feel like I'm in process with that, right? Because I think part of intuitive eating is that if you're giving yourself nutritious fuel, like you're probably gonna start lowering the cravings for that, that stuff. And obviously there is still, I would, I kind of almost like try to shy away from saying there's like healthy food and like junk food. Um, Cause I think there are healthier foods that offer just like a lot of like micronutrients and stuff that your body needs. So obviously you want to lean heavily towards those. But I think like say eating a Big Mac every so often, honestly I don't think that's a big deal. I think, nice, just got permission to eat a Big Mac. Yeah, well I mean like say you, <laughs> ate, say you ate one Big Mac every week. I honestly don't think that's probably gonna have a huge negative impact on your health, you know? So you're just that M on your shirt, are you sponsored by McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sponsored by, I would like to be sponsored by Kellogg's and Pop-Tarts because I do eat Pop-Tarts on all my rides. Ooh, this is a different subject. Pop-tarts. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, it's maybe questionable. It's a lot of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm getting off track here. Um, but just to say, I, I think the mindset around it of like saying I can't ever eat something, yeah, yeah. I don't like that part of right, it. Yeah being overly restrictive yeah so i think in a perfect world you would just only eat like really health like uh, micronutrient dense foods Mm -hmm. right like lots of vegetables and like complex carbs and stuff um but i don't think that occasionally eating what we would call unhealthy foods Mm -hmm. is necessarily a bad thing and i think that like i can never do something is not a great Mm -hmm. for me at least in my own experience it's not a good mindset it makes me feel I think the restriction like kind of like triggers some things where it's like now at some point I'm probably gonna want to eat that and I might overdo it in an unhealthy way rather than like say if I went for a super long ride and I ate a Big Mac at the end of it right like I don't think that'd be a real big deal right Uh, it's kind of like that idea of what you resist persists you know so by resisting this craving it's gonna persist and just work you down till eventually like you're like forget it i'm just gonna give into it yeah yeah and like granted like i i would be okay so it's not even like in practice necessarily because like i haven't eaten a big mac and i don't know how long yeah but yeah, like so i'm not restricting myself to right. not eat it right, right. So. i mean you're totally right like those cravings dissipate right? yeah and, yeah but weaning yourself off of it, it and not even maybe trying to wean yourself off it but that just naturally happens yeah as long as you're not just like being like i'm cold turkey i'm done now, yeah you know? I mean, I think in terms of, like, the mindset around that, I'd much rather, for myself and, like, my athletes, have them change their focus towards adding in more good quality mm-hmm. foods to their diet that are going to help their performance, yeah. help their recovery. Because yeah. I think there's, it's like, yes, you are allowed to go eat a Big Mac, but, you know, in terms of, like, your hunger signals, all stuff, like, would you rather fill that space with something that's gonna be more beneficial to mm-hmm. your body. Mm-hmm. And I think you definitely can. I, I feel like in my own process when I was younger, like I didn't really like eating vegetables or right. whatnot. Yeah. But as I got older and added more of that stuff into my diet, by nature of wanting to perform better, I like really grew to like those things. Yeah. Like I really do enjoy eating like most of the yeah. like vegetable rich dishes that I make. Yeah. yeah, it's like whatever you feed yourself a lot of continually, like you'll, develop cravings for those things yeah and it's like again when you come back to like how does your if if the whole thing is like listening to your body and getting good at responding to it 
your body's gonna tell you when it feels good eating those meals yeah. as opposed to going and getting some fast food. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how like responsive people get to that, whereas you know, maybe when they are on a junk food diet, eating whatever they want, they didn't even realize how jacked up they felt after eating these foods. But when you're used to eating super nutrient foods and then you go to McDonald's and you have that Big Mac and then all of a sudden the reward of that is a lot less because you walk out of there, you're just like, dude, I feel my stomach feels like kind of messed up. I yeah. feel kind of off. My energy's off. Like, so then all of a sudden, like, you don't get the same reward from that experience and you stop wanting that experience. Yeah. So I feel like there's like this dissip dissipation of um, when you're on that sort of like restriction and binging pattern, there's almost like, I've, I mean, I feel like somebody who like has, you know, some like psychology stuff could probably tell you what's happening in your brain. But I feel like there almost is this just like release of like Dopamine endorphin. Yeah. Something yeah. that's like. I'm just letting loose, mm -hmm. right? So you almost mm -hmm. like don't care about how your body feels. Right. You're like, I'm gonna feel bad, but it just feels good to just like let loose yeah. on all the yeah. restriction, you yeah. know? Um, whereas like, if I'm not restricted and I'm allowing myself to maybe eat something that's not healthy, you know, quote unquote healthy every so often, I think I'm not really getting that anymore. Right, I right. don't have this like wanting to just let go of the restriction because the restriction is like oppressive. Right. And then you're not getting that hit of dopamine that comes and that's a reward for your body. And so then you're not getting that and the reward's not the same. So then you're not craving it the same. Yeah. So then like, yeah. So then like now I am actually thinking about the way my body's going to feel afterwards. And I'm like, I just don't want to feel bad. Right, right. You know, I want to feel good. Right, so I'm right. not going to do that. And then like I, you know, maybe when I do have indulgences are like after really big rides when it's like. Now you're listening to your body and you're like, oh, my body's super depleted. So maybe something that's very calorie dense is actually benefiting me right mm -hmm. now, right? Mm -hmm. um, so like my favorite thing is like, like after I did the white rim this last weekend, like go get a big old breakfast burrito the next day because it's just like, it's what my body needs is a lot of calories yeah. at that point. Yeah. Whereas in the past, I would have been like, I'm going to capitalize on this huge deficit right. that I made, <laughs> you know? <laughs> A big old bowl of watery oatmeal for breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like now I'm in like a three thousand calorie deficit. I just lost a pound of fat. It's like, <laughs> okay, now you're you're also gonna right. you're eventually gonna make up for that. Right. What's your take on alcohol? So this is a question I recently got. I think someone DM'd me on Instagram about this, and they're like, "You should talk about alcohol on the podcast." I was like, "Yeah, you know, I've never talked about it on the podcast." So I'll let you. I'll answer my own question and give you time to think about your response okay. here. Okay. But because I just totally sprung that totally out of not totally out of left field, but yeah, a little yeah. bit. So my take is like, and when you're talking, it kind of made me think through like, yeah, this is how I feel about alcohol. So I have nothing against alcohol, right? And like I realize, like we have a lot of Christians who listen to this podcast, and I'm a Christian myself, and I know there's a wide, wide variance in you know super conservative Christians are like you should never drink alcohol and mad love and respect for them and then there's Christians who have zero problem with it I personally find myself in that zero problem with alcohol camp but like I said love and respect for everyone along that whole I totally get get the, the argument on both sides of it but my take on it is kind of like you were saying like I just don't like how I 
feel afterwards. And mm -hmm. I'm super sensitive to it because I don't drink mm -hmm. very often at all. So like if I have a kombucha, I'm like feeling it. Like I'm <laughs> <laughs> You're like 0.05% yeah. or so. Yeah. yeah, seriously, like I feel it like in my arms and legs and more so when I was running because I was lighter. Yeah, so yeah. even more sensitive to it. But like, you know, there there's times where like after Sarah's race in London, I had like two glasses of red wine, you yeah. know? And I was fine with that. Like I felt fine after that, felt fine in the morning after that. But then I did notice in the gym the next day, like I didn't have my best lift. And I don't know if I can totally like nail it down to alcohol, but I know alcohol does dehydrate a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And for lifting, like hydration is so, so important. Yeah. So the fact that I went into that lift slightly dehydrated probably did play into it a little bit, you know? Yeah. And so like for me, I'm like, yeah, like I understand like it's relaxing to have a glass of red wine and zero problem on my end of celebrating a big race performance yeah. and enjoying a glass of red wine. But I'm not like, a, I don't, haven't developed the taste for alcohol. So I don't necessarily like love the taste of it. And I do like, you know, how it chills you out and stuff like that. But to me, like, I just like knowing I'm gonna wake up in the morning and go crush something in the weight room, yeah. you know? And I'd rather have that experience than consistently like enjoy a glass of wine. But my take to listeners of this podcast, and I am going to let you get to your take. <laughs> this is supposed to be about you, not about me. But <laughs> no, that's good. I, I do want to talk on this subject a little bit. But like for our athletes, pro runners, most of them have a glass of wine at night. Not, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm way over generalizing there. A lot of the ones that I knew and trained with professionally, they were some of the very best marathoners in the country, yeah. did have a glass of red wine now and again, maybe even nightly with yeah. meals. So I don't think alcohol is one of those things that's like it void at all costs. And yeah. I know it's a bit of, you know, it's it's in the endurance space where after races, like yeah. cycling stuff, like they're having beers. And if you go to the track meets in Europe over the summertime, like people are racing and having beers right away, you know? Yeah. And so I think from a nutrition standpoint, if you can have that, like in the post-workout window, there's good and bad things to that. The dehydration thing is not so great, but if you're drinking lots of water with it, I think it's okay. But I do see it as like a simple carb, you know? And so that's how I like, from an athletic standpoint, like might not be the best time to have a simple carb right before bed but if you're having it with dinner and you're having some fat and protein in there and kind of slow down the absorption of those carbs a little bit but all that to say like i don't think it's worth sweating in moderation yeah um, is kind of my general opinion but based on what we were just talking about curious to hear your opinion on that yeah i mean i think that there's a lot about alcohol in terms of like the physiology stuff and I'd have to like go look at all these studies that you know have information about how it affects recovery and like you're saying hydration and stuff I think I have heard that maybe actually I think it does have some negative impacts on like replenishing glycogen so maybe actually right afterwards is not the best time to do it I did not just I was just testing you <laughs> so do not drink right after <laughs> exercise <laughs> But, but I do quote, totally understand that, right? Because like every one of these fondos and stuff that you do right. in cycling, like there's always a beer garden and stuff right. afterwards. Right. So for me, I do partake in that every so often because I do have a lot of fun hanging out and chatting with people after mm -hmm. these races. We all just did something ridiculously hard and then you like hang out and have a beer and 
some of like my most enjoyable times around the endurance space has been at those mm -hmm. events, right? Yeah, post-race parties. So I think it's okay within that spectrum. I would say like if you were just looking purely like performance, you'd say don't drink alcohol. It's mm -hmm. not probably benefiting you. Maybe a certain amount of moderation is really not having a, a, a negative impact. Like you're saying, I think a lot of even pro runners will have a glass of wine. And there's like obviously some positive mm -hmm. factors with that as well. But I think the alcohol, like specifically the alcohol by itself is probably not benefiting you in any capacity. But I think like it's okay and I think it's important to learn to live in some gray areas and say like, I'm not gonna be perfect all the time. And I think if you're trying to be perfect all the time, it's, I think that stress level almost is not beneficial of trying to do things perfect. Because obviously like in college, there's guys that are massively uh, good runners who would like binge drink on the weekends mm -hmm. or go to parties and stuff. And it's like, I think to a certain extent, being a little bit relaxed in your mindset and having creating like a low stress mindset has some positive factors to it. So I kind of see that with alcohol where, um, you know, being okay with like having a drink every so often is, is probably not a big deal. Like it's probably not having a real negative in, impact mm -hmm. on your, on your, uh, your fitness. I will say this though. I think there are times where it's just like a clear no-go with the alcohol. Well, yeah, definitely like the night before your race, don't be drinking. That's exactly alcohol. what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Cause people do that. And I'm always surprised when I see people drinking the night before, because it, I mean, for one, it can negatively impact your sleep for sure you don't want to do that and that's why like i wouldn't say it's it's definitely not like a good like recovery post-race thing like if you really like say if you have a b race leading up to your a race i would say don't partake in the alcohol after that b race if really your next your big event is like mm -hmm. a week or two weeks or something right. in the future right like that's a good time to maybe not do it if you're gonna do it, I would say even maybe do it like the next day or something right. when you've already capitalized on some good recovery, some good nutrition. Um, the so other I'm glad that you brought up the sleep thing because I think that's huge because I think a lot of people do drink at night, at night before, bed, yeah. before bed. And I know like that helps you fall asleep initially, but I think it's clearly been shown that like the level of deep sleep that you go into is not as high when you've had alcohol right before bed. Yeah. So with that in mind, do you think it's better to say if you are going to drink, drink it lunchtime? Like in the day, yeah. do some day drinking. <laughs> Definitely do some solid day drinking. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's something to that. I would say in my experience, if I've drank, because again, like these fondos maybe ends at like noon, mm -hmm, have mm -hmm. like a couple beers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm just sensitive. It'll still negatively impact my sleep. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just know that's going to happen if I choose to do that. And I kind of deal with the repercussion of right. it. Um, so just be prepared if you're going to decide to drink to know that you yeah. might not get the best night's sleep. And definitely like the less the better in terms of your sleep, right? Like, I think you probably have like a beer or like a glass of wine and like you'll, it maybe will slightly negatively impact your sleep. But like what I definitely don't want to do is be waking up in the night and not being able to fall back asleep, which is how things typically roll for me. Um, but the other note on alcohol, which it's kind of interesting to see like these hard seltzer waters become more prevalent, right? Um, I think for one, because they're just like less calorie dense. Yeah, so like yeah. for people on diets, it's a little bit mm. of a nice way to access, to have that nice like chilling out with a drink, but not 
getting a bunch of excess right. in calories. Right. Um, but beer, so beer, you know, the hops are like the female part of the plant. So they have a lot of estrogenic properties. Like we've talked about soy. And boobs. For sure. That's where they come from. So I heard this That's from another. <laughs> <so I don't laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I heard this from a coach and I thought, I was like, this is bogus. I don't want to believe this. And then you started getting me. And then boobs. I researched it. <laughs> yeah, but you noticed? You didn't notice I was. Chad's wearing a bra right now. Yeah. You <laughs> can't see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways. Um, so I did some research because I honestly. I do, I actually have come to like the flavor of IPAs. So I did want to be able to enjoy one every so often and not think that I'm like also damaging like testosterone and stuff. Right, right. Um, but sure enough, like yeah, it was true. Like from the research that I've done, it definitely is like way more impactful than say like, I think there's some controversy about soy, whether soy has that right, yeah, same yeah. impact or not, but far more than soy for sure. So, so this is how we're gonna become millionaires. I don't even have a, a sponsor for this podcast, so I'm not making millions off the podcast. But this is how we're going to make our millions. We're going to come up with a beer that's the male side of the hops. <laughs> it's going to be disgusting. <laughs> but it's going to just do crazy things with your testosterone. Your testosterone is going to go through the roof. You're going to look like a Greek god after you drink it. Yeah. Do to be rich. We're, we're going to have to do some research on plants and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is indeed what. If any listeners work. can make that happen for us, hit me up, DM me, so that we can get that going. Anyways, testo beer, <laughs> <laughs> testosterone boosting beer. You heard it here uh, first, guys. It's coming. Yeah, it is interesting. There have been um, like pro world tour teams. I think it's Bora Hansgora um, that would drink non-alcoholic beer during the tour to help with like rehydration and uh, carbs and stuff. Which in, in terms of the hop stuff doesn't make sense unless it's just like not a hoppy beer or something. Wow, you just blew my mind. You're gonna go get some O'Doul's and start lighting it up. <laughs> <laughs> Crack a cold one. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't even like the taste of beer. I'm just fascinated why they choose to do that. I mean, they must really know their stuff, so. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to, like, these, like, naturally occurring, like, carbs with fluid that's, like, huh. it, like, helps with hydration, too. Huh. Mm. And like, easy to absorb. Kind of similar to, like, whey protein drinks, right? Where it just, like, yeah. absorbs easier, faster. And your next podcast episode brought to you by O'Doul's. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Could happen. <laughs> I would be blown away if you had a beer sponsorship, even <laughs> if it was like a non-alcoholic beer. Yeah, no. Like I said, I don't like the taste of beer, so that's yeah. not, not my jam. Yeah, maybe I, I just it would not be advisable to go out of your way to develop a taste for it. Then. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Any other uh, takes on the alcohol and sports? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I. Yeah, there's there's other topics I could go into, but I think we should we should that's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, good stuff. Thank you, Chad. Trade off. <laughs> I just didn't just hear that. Chad, the trade dog call. <laughs> Find him on Instagram at trade dog. No. Chad of life. <laughs> A man of many nicknames. Yeah, yeah. Where can people find you if they want to find you? Uh, at Chad of life on uh, Instagram. 
Twitter. Not on Twitter. I think I do have a Twitter account, but I don't ever use that. Facebook? Uh, I don't know. I guess just chat hall. If you search me, you could probably find me. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for making the time, brother. Yeah. Could have chatted for a lot longer. That was good stuff, man. Thanks for sharing with us. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll we'll have you back on here at some point soon. Yeah, definitely. It was a, it was a good time. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Till next time, happy training.